from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Paul Whelan is an American who was arrested on December 28th, 2018 in Moscow. They've refused to share any information other than just the basic information that he's been charged with espionage. The Russian government says he was, quote, caught red-handed, end quote. But they've never said what he was doing, except that he received a USB flash drive from someone in a hotel. And what's worse, according to his brother David, the Kremlin is denying him the ability to get the help he needs from the U.S. government. The Russians have uh, uh, blocked his ability to sign a Privacy Act waiver, which is a form that allows a detainee to authorize the U.S. government to speak to the public or, you know, communicate to the press about his case. And wait till you hear how they're doing it. There are guards who are in the room uh, with the embassy staff and with Paul. And when they attempt to pass a piece of paper to Paul, they are um, physically stopped from passing that piece of paper over. The latest on Paul Whelan's detention in Russia's infamous KGB prison, Lefortovo. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. Every couple of days, David Whelan, a law librarian in Toronto, Canada, puts out an update about his twin brother, Paul, who's been held in Russia's infamous Lefortovo prison in Moscow on still unexplained espionage charges since December 28th of 2018. Paul Whelan is a former U.S. Marine who was in Moscow to attend the wedding of a buddy from his military days when he was arrested in a hotel. Russian authorities say he was caught accepting a thumb drive that contained classified information on it. The person whom he received the thumb drive from has not been identified. David spoke with Target USA on January 30th to update us on the situation. And it's starting to look like the Russian government is planning to keep him in custody for quite a while. At the same time, they're keeping his family in the dark. We haven't learned anything official, which is, I, I think, probably the most frustrating part of this so far. We've heard the same things, I think, that everybody else has through the media. There have been some leaks to uh, Russian media about a USB drive and what Paul was doing. Uh, Minister Lavrov, or Foreign Minister Lavrov, has said that Paul was caught red-handed, uh, and Paul's lawyer has spoken about the USB drive and that apparently uh, it was given to Paul and he was expecting to receive uh, some sort of photographs on it of churches or something. And 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 really, that's all we have are these secondhand, offhand comments about uh, the details. You said in one of your recent updates that the Russian government has continued to stonewall about Paul's case. Uh, can you be more specific about that? Yes, it really feels like, and that Paul has been call, called a pawn in some sort of political endgame. And, and to the extent that he's a pawn, it's a stalemate. The Russians have uh, uh, blocked 
his ability to sign a Privacy Act waiver, which is a form that allows a detainee to authorize the U.S. government to speak to the public or, you know, communicate to the press about his case, um, even though he's orally made – acknowledged that he was waiving it uh, in the presence of uh, Ambassador Huntsman on that very first visit. Um, they've refused to share any information other than just the basic information that he's been charged with espionage. Um, so that's the only official comment we have about that. Um it just – it seems to be a, a, a complete lack of information. They blocked the British from being able to see him even though he'd specifically asked for consular access. So we are hopeful. I mean tomorrow the British or the UK government is uh, – embassy staff is supposed to meet with Paul, so on January 31st. But the Russians have deflected their requests for weeks. So I think that there is a very strange amount or strange at least to me amount of uh, stonewalling or mm-hmm. slow walking at least. You said as well they have blocked – his ability to sign this waiver, uh, how have they done that? Have they simply not presented it to him, or wh- how have they done that? Well, this will be my understanding of what the meetings are like, but it's my understanding that when Paul meets with embassy officials from any of the consulates, and so this is the same uh, when he met with the Canadians and with the Irish, um, there are guards who are in the room uh, with the embassy staff and with Paul, and when they attempt to pass a piece of paper to Paul, they are um, physically stopped from passing that piece of paper over. And that piece of paper then needs to go into some prison process where it's translated or or whatever. Um, but in the case of the Privacy Act waiver, uh, the waiver has not been passed on to Paul. And so where we've been able to pass other things, um, uh, letters or other pieces of information to Paul um, that don't have anything to do with his case, the Privacy Act waiver has not, um, has not been allowed to be proffered to Paul. So let me just be clear. All of the paper that you're trying to pass to him uh, essentially is confiscated and then reviewed. Is that what I'm hearing you say? And then everything else has been passed to him and allowed for, for him to get. But this 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 waiver is not. Yes. And I don't know about the full circuit. I know that uh, the, the, the pieces of paper are taken by someone at the prison. And my understanding is that they review it and then they translate it. So I don't know mm-hmm. if the translation happens first or the review. And then our assumption is that they reach Paul. But again, we're on a sort of a cycle of once a week meetings. And so we're not always sure that the, the piece of paper has, has arrived. So, for example, uh, um, documents that we gave or pieces of paper we gave to Paul or asked to be given to Paul last week. Uh, we won't know if he's actually seen them until tomorrow or the next time that there's a consular visit. So, you know, this is uh, very concerning, and I can certainly understand why you feel the way you feel, because this very clearly appears to be uh, an overt effort by the Russian prison system, i.e. the Russian government, prevent your brother from from any kind of uh, speedy uh, process, judicial process here. Also, this situation regarding the lawyer, you said that he didn't actually choose that lawyer. You don't think he actually chose the lawyer. Somebody else did. Is that correct? That's correct. When he met with the Canadian embassy staff last week, they asked him uh, if he'd selected his lawyer, and he did not select uh, Mr. Zherbienkov uh, and doesn't know how Mr. Zherbienkov was selected. And so, um, I, I mean, obviously, that's a bit of a concern. The uh, Russian Criminal Procedure Code says that, uh, in, I think it's Article 50, that the detainee or the um, accused is allowed to select their lawyer. So we think Paul should have that opportunity. We've given him a list of some other lawyers to consider. Uh, and we're not suggesting that he he change lawyers necessarily, but he should have the option um, if that's what the right of the accused has. 
he ends up with a lawyer that really doesn't speak English. Right. He ends up with a lawyer who doesn't speak English. Um, we've asked them to uh, give us some information about the costs of the case. Uh, they haven't been able to tell us how much his legal defense is going to cost. It just, it, it's the sort of thing that if you were to hire a lawyer um, on your own in the in North America, uh, none of these things would really, I think, happen in the same way. You'd have mm-hmm. a, a much better sense of, you know, if the if he's a government appointed lawyer, well then, you know, that would be obvious. But instead, we, you know, we've heard all, I've read media accounts that his son was involved, Roman Jerebienkov, or that a secret person was involved, and so uh, I mean, it just becomes very odd. I, I think one of the interesting contrast for me is I was reading about the fellow who stole the painting from the Moscow Art Gallery, and we already know tons about, you know, we know his name, we know what happened, we know that they're looking for accomplices, uh, <laughs> we know so much about the details of his case, and that happened just, you know, a day or two ago, uh, mm-hmm. and and we're over 30 days in on Paul, and we really have nothing other than just rumors of a USB uh, drive that may have had, uh, or that he expected to have photos on it, that apparently has caused him to be a spy, and it's just it's mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. What what's what's your brother said about that USB? Uh, we don't know. Uh, all we know that he said is that he has denied the charges. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, uh, we can't speak to him on the phone. Uh, everything we get is relayed from these weekly consular visits. You know what's interesting about this is you know a lot of people have tried to compare this situation with the Maria Butina situation here in in, in Washington, uh, right. and it, it's my understanding that. She was allowed to speak with her parents, her father, her family on the phone. The Russian consulate was granted uh, access to her, and they visited her regularly. None of those visits were blocked, um, but it seems quite odd that they wouldn't uh, follow through with the same kind of courtesy, if you will, or, I mean, it's a legal right. That he should be able to do that, that they that they wouldn't follow through with that. So it's it seems to suggest that they have something to hide here. That's sort of where I'm leaning to. And in fact, I, I asked that specific question of Paul's lawyers this morning via email, and I don't I don't know when I'll hear back. Um, but they were very kind. They sent us um, some photographs of. Uh, lists of information that are inside the prison of, of things you can take into the prison and things you can't to help us, you know, know what to send Paul and how many things he can have because you can only have like two sheets and one blanket. And if, so if you send a second blanket, it'll get rejected. And one of the things on the list was phone cards. And and I was surprised because at this point we'd been told that Paul isn't allowed to use the phone. And I just thought that meant that phones weren't accessible, but clearly phones are accessible if the prisoners are allowed phone cards. So I've asked them because it, now it seems like he's he's being blocked from making phone calls for reasons related to his case rather than because it's you know technologically not allowed or, or the rules disallow it, but that is something specific to Paul. David Whelan, the twin brother of Paul. And when we come back, the disappointing reality regarding his case. I mean, we're really talking about leaving him in jail, uh, going through this process, which seems to be sort of just a show trial process um, for what seems to be an inevitable conviction anyway. That's coming up when we continue on Target USA. The National Security Podcast. 
Imagine the home you've always known sinking into oblivion. We want to save a community, a, a way of life. A Virginia island, population 460, is being swallowed by the Chesapeake Bay. The first full-fledged town that's probably going to get lost to sea level rise in America. Can disaster be stopped? Should it be? Shall the Lord destroy Tangier? Going Under, the story of Tangier Island. Available on Podcast One iTunes, and at goingunderpodcast.com. This is a Target USA moment. Episode 16, The Drone Killing of Anwar el with retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel T. Mark McCurley, who commanded the mission. That did, We got the green light that morning to conduct the operation. And uh, the only time that unit called us is when they needed something. And knowing what was at stake when that call came, we, I knew what it was going to be. What went through your mind? How fast can I get them out of the hangar and, and off the ground? The only time that unit called us is when they needed something. And knowing what was at stake... When when that call came, I knew what it was going to be. What went through your mind? How fast can I get him out of the hangar and off the ground? McCurley had a very unique experience. He's written a book about it called Hunter Killer, and he shared with us exactly what happened in another situation very similar to Olaki's. And uh, I'm reminded of uh, one of the, the stories in Hunter Killer uh, of a facilitator that we had to take out. And the, the ultimate goal of the operation was to eliminate him to enable us to capture more than a dozen operatives he had around the world uh, getting ready to do a coordinated terror strike. Uh, and we couldn't risk him warning them off as we started rolling up these teams. Uh, in the last couple of seconds, uh, because of how low I had to get, uh, because of weather, uh, to make the shot happen, he heard the missile come in, and he looked right at me through the camera of the airplane. Uh, and so I basically, even though it bridged 8,000 miles, I looked him in the eye as he died. This has been a Target USA Moment, Episode 16. Download it. Relive it. I'm J.J. Green. And this is Target USA. On this episode, we've been talking with David Whelan about his brother Paul, who's been held in a Russian prison since December 28th. We've talked about the legal situation, the fact that the Russian government is not being forthcoming. Now, a critical question. How is he doing physically? Well, it sounds like he's going to be a, a trimmer uh, person. He's uh, lost a little bit of weight already. Um, he's a little bit concerned about a couple of health problems he has. Uh, at our age, there are things that, that come up. And I think it, it's it's things that he was monitoring on his own uh, anyway. Um, but being in a prison, you're that much more worried that something might happen. And he doesn't have the uh, Russian language skills to communicate about it. So he, that has become a growing concern for him that, uh, that there's a disconnect between um, the issues he's got and his ability to, to get them seen to by medical staff at the prison. But uh, uh, to their credit, the prison staff uh, have been responsive when uh, the Canadian embassy spoke to them last week, for example, they seemed very um, concerned uh, to try and make sure that Paul's needs were being met. You know, I don't want you to get into his personal issues here, but uh, I would like to ask if you can, if you can't answer it, I understand completely. Um, are any of these issues life-threatening? Uh, no, I don't. Well, no, not like a heart attack or anything like that, no. But these are issues that do need to be seen to because if they don't, then they could become life-threatening over time is what I hear you saying. Right. Okay. Well, you know, thank you for uh, sharing that. And uh, I'm hopeful that um, he's able to get the kind of help that he needs. So what's the U.S. government 
the Canadian government, the Irish government, and the UK government uh, saying and doing? How how's how is your assistance from them going and your contact with them, specifically the U.S. government? From the perspective of the consular access and the embassies in Moscow, I don't think we could be asking for anything more than they are doing. Um, they have all been uh, cooperating and collaborating. Uh, when one of the embassies gets access, um, the other embassies um, send things over to that uh, that consulate so that Paul gets whatever the latest thing is. So the Amer- American embassy staff are going to be walking some letters over to the British today so that the UK can take it tomorrow so that Paul will have the latest letters that came in. Um, when the Irish visited, they took in um, – uh, uh, toiletries and other things for Paul that the UK government had had uh, gotten, even though the UK government had at that point not been allowed to see Paul. So that amount of cooperation and and um, oversight of Paul is just it's extremely uh, um, helpful for us, his family, because now we don't really have to worry about that as much. I mean, obviously we are worried that the the there seems to be a lack of due process there, but um, that's been great. I think the the the. I wouldn't even say it's a frustration, but there is a silence above above the embassy level that we are a little bit worried about. Um, after the initial statements from uh, Mr. Hunt in the UK and uh, Minister Freeland in Canada uh, and Secretary Pompeo, we've heard very little other than uh, we're aware of it, we're looking into it. And I think at some point we are hoping that we'll see a, a more overt display of uh, diplomacy or, or uh, discussion about Paul's case to let us know that something is actually percolating at that level because we, we really haven't seen anything um, higher than the embassy level um, in quite a while. Have you gotten confirmation that the president, President Trump, is aware of the situation? Uh, not personally. I've seen the uh, the media reports. I've I've seen him comment that he that there he's aware of Paul's case, uh, and Secretary Pompeo said uh, on a number of uh, occasions, um, either uh, to the media directly or I've seen uh, statements where he had, he and uh, Minister Freeland had spoken about Paul. So again, I know I know that it's being discussed, and I'm sure it's being discussed at levels that are uh, are, are are where these sorts of things um, are resolved. But. Uh, it, um, I do get a little bit of concern that, uh, you know, after a month that there hasn't been a more overt um, request for information, perhaps, that the, that the Russians be essentially be asked to um, explain what's going on and why they think Paul is over there. Um, and, and the silence, I think, is is uh, is not what I would have expected um, when an American is detained in a foreign country. President Trump says he has a good relationship with Vladimir Putin. Um, it's uh, a bit, um, I'm sure, disconcerting to you not to have heard anything at all in uh, in public, uh, a public statement regarding your brother from the president, uh, especially considering uh, this situation. Uh, if I remember correctly, you did say in one of your earlier notes in the previous week that um, it might be uh, a, a scenario where... Uh, the best way to get your brother released and home sooner than later is some kind of intervention from the government. But um, it, it is, it's, it, it's interesting that uh, President Trump hasn't said anything. Uh, would you do you have you any interest in saying anything to him about this? I think I would say the same thing to President Trump that I would say to anybody who has the expertise to help Paul, which is that I have total faith that you are working on Paul's case. I know you're aware of it, uh, and that 
there are things that have to be done behind the scenes that may be more successful than talking about it openly. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Um, but I think it is, it is challenging for um, the families of people who are detained. And I think it should be worrying for businessmen, uh, business people who go to foreign countries like Russia um, to know that it, it really could be that they disappear for a while. Uh, and, and there's periodic contact with the family through the, uh, the great embassy staff, but that there's not really a sense that the government is, 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 taking action for you. Um, and so, so you really do have to just sort of wait and, and take it on faith that, that it's going to happen. Um, okay. No. Yeah. I think, I think the only thing we see is, is a diplomatic solution. I, I think if we really have to wait for Paul to go through the legal process, he'll be there for another two years. Two years. Is that what you're hearing or is that what you, you, you just, is that, uh, something you're throwing out there? Uh, his lawyer has said to us, uh, we should expect him to be in pretrial, uh, in the pretrial detention for six months to a year. Um, we've heard, uh, from another lawyer in Russia that, uh, they would expect the pretrial investigation to take about a year and the trial to take about a year. So we're expecting, uh, somewhere between 12 and, tw and 24 months for the trial process to churn out. And, and the reality is that, uh, in a report I saw, uh, they get 100% convictions in these sorts of Article 276 espionage cases. Uh, and the Russian system has well over 99% conviction rate for any other crime anyway. So, I mean, we're really talking about leaving him in jail, uh, going through this process, which seems to be sort of just a show trial process, um, for what seems to be an inevitable conviction anyway. So if, if there's a way to short uh, – uh, not short change uh, and run that that situation and have them home, home sooner. I think the only way to do that will be through diplomatic uh, means. You know, I've asked you a lot of questions today, and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm at a loss myself as well for uh, what Russia might be up to aside from some ill-conceived plot to uh, make an example of him. Uh, because of the Butina situation and maybe the Victor Boot situation some years ago, but it just doesn't seem to be doing a heck of a lot, if anything, for Russia's reputation. And they probably, the, the Kremlin, the people who run it, don't really care. Uh, but um, at the end of the day, um, what is it that your family is thinking that I haven't asked you about that you think is important? Well, I think we're not thinking very much about the reason why. Um, I think we're really just focused on bringing him home uh, because Maria Butina is, is likely to have a hearing next month. And if she is sentenced, she may already have served all the time she needs to serve. And, and then she, she may be going home. So I think a lot of the, the, the trade talk or, um, you know, the, the, the why is not something we have worried about too much. I mean, we're curious, obviously, I think like anybody else who's watched Paul's situation, but um, it, it, we, I think would really just be focused on, if the Russian government has a reason to keep him, then uh, then they should show what that reason is so that we can all move forward and, and solve whatever problem they're trying to solve using uh, uh, foreign citizens. And they say that they don't use foreign citizens for political reasons, and that's fine. And then if that's the case, then they really have just a really weak, um, apparently false espionage case, and we'd rather him be sent home for that too. So either way, we just want to see him come home. What kind of response are you getting from Russian press? Any? Um, it, it's actually, it's been very similar to, uh, the English press, uh, English speaking press, um, just a, a, a proportionally much less. So there are four or five, um, 
Russian media outlets who've contacted me, um, and and I've gone through the same process with them. I've tried to treat them the same way uh, as the the English uh, speaking press uh, doing interviews and so on, and they receive the same email updates that I send out to everybody else. Uh, and really, it, I think the, the the big challenge there is just the translation and the understanding of of um, uh, if they've translated their question into English, you know, am I sort of getting it back there? But um, it, it's, I think it's been, it's been positive, although I'm not sure that it has much of an impact. Why, why, why do you not feel it has much of an impact? Uh, well, I, I think that some of the uh, some of the updates, for example, you'll see you can t- you see an update that I've sent to you, for example, and you then you can look at uh, the uh, similar story that posts on Interfax, uh, and and it, so it'll it'll been edited down to the things that are are. <laughs> um, uh, acceptable for Russian media to talk about and and eliminate some of the others, and and that's fine. Uh, they have their own media market to uh, respond to, but uh, I, I think at the end of the day, um, the Russian media won't have a whole lot of impact on how Paul is perceived. Um, so we we, are, we appreciate their interest, but I think it's the English speaking media that can help us most um, at at uh, keeping Paul's issue in front of the governments that are going to be able to help him. Interfax and you know I guess TASS and these these other some of these some of these other uh, Russian media, you you are aware that they're they have a history uh, of being associated with Russian intelligence and the Russian government and are not considered in the general scheme of media to be uh, objective. Yes, I I understand that and. Uh, uh, I think it, it's it's in the way that I've been communicating on Paul's behalf mm-hmm. and that we've sort of tried to tell his story. I think we're trying to tell his story as as well as we can, and, and we do it as – well, almost entirely on the record. Um, so anything that I share with you or to, with other media, I'm not concerned about um, Interfax uh, or the people who are uh, part of intelligence who are, are part of Interfax um, – seeing the same information as far as i'm concerned it's it's information that we're comfortable sharing with everybody in the world uh and um it, to the extent that when we uh speak to people in the media whether it's uh, uh media in north america or media in russia um there are sometimes audiences who are listening and so i would not want to forego the ability to speak to one of those audiences even if uh my message is not necessarily the exact message <laughs> that I uh, transmitted in the first place. Well, I guess it's also a good point, too, to include them because they have the reputation that they have, but the other media that you know that are fair and objective, you give them both the same information and people can see what the difference is between what it is that the media that you know that are fair and trustworthy are and what these others might post, as you mentioned, they pick and choose what they post. That, yeah, that's right. And I think that the, the nice thing about being able to reach out to the Western media in particular um, is that I can share what I know. Uh, and, uh, you know, if we've heard from the lawyer or if we've heard from the embassies, I can share that with all of you. And then you can go out and corroborate it. You can uh, follow up with additional questions that come off of that. You can ha- interview the people that that uh, we mentioned, and that's great. And if the Russian media decided to do the same things, that would be super as well. But, uh, yeah, I just – I see it as it, – it, it's, it's not additional work for me to share the same story. And as you say, uh, merely by having it appear in multiple uh, reliable – um, publications in the West, as well as uh, publications in, in other countries, um, you, you have that corroboration of, well, the same story is coming out. And if it looks weird, then it may have more to do with who's publishing it than the actual story. 
David, thank you so much. I appreciate I appreciate your taking time to spend time with us today and uh, previously. Um, we continue to send our, our best wishes to you for your brother's situation, and we are hopeful that this will be resolved sooner than later. And me too. Thanks so much uh, for your time, JJ. I really appreciate it. That's David Whelan, brother of Paul. We will continue to monitor this situation and will bring you developments as they warrant. That's it for this episode. Coming up on our next program, whether it's terrorism, anarchists, cyber criminals, nation states, intelligence, or the U.S.'s own counterintelligence drama that's playing out in the Congress, join us on Target USA for the latest. Thank you for checking in with us. Follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. You can also let me know what you think at jgreen at WTOP.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at WTOP.com. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.